Stay hungry, stay foolish. As always, thank you to our sponsor, Zai, building integrated financial services, innovating within their area of expertise for digital native and non-native businesses. You can check them out at hellozai.com. Have you ever felt you're on a roll? Everything seems to be going your way. Time slows and you see clearly. Past the noise and distractions, you're able to zoom in on the essential. You take the perfect action at the perfect time. You instinctively know what to do and you have a profound feeling that you're on the right path. The experience is the manifestation of what our guest calls alignment. Alignment is the congruence of who you are, what you feel and what you love on a deep and fundamental level with what you do, what you say, what you envisage and where you are going. Alignment is not about falling in step or conforming to others' expectations but rather it's about becoming more of yourself and in doing so transcending what you thought were the limits of your capabilities. You too, if properly aligned, can reach higher than you ever thought possible, effortlessly and joyfully inspiring others to embrace and follow your vision. You too can generate that sense of clarity and ease even in the face of challenges and setbacks. You too can create the congruence of who you are, what you think, and what you do. It's a great pleasure to welcome the author of Aligned, connecting your true self with the leader you're meant to be, Hortense Le Gentil, bienvenue. Thank you, Eden. Thank you for having me. I am delighted to be here. It's so great to have you with us. And behind me, you'll see I have two copies of your wonderful book. <laughs> One is up for grabs for our audience just sign up to the innovationshow.io newsletter and you will be in with a chance to win that book. Before we even get into the book, I wanted to give a bit of context, Hortense. You and I have been talking for a while preparing for today's show. And I was telling you, I wear a pin to try and reflect each show. And I bought a pin when I saw the book and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I think I know what that's about. Making a terrible assumption, leadership mistake where I made an assumption and I bought a pin that was like a mask being removed. And I was like, it's, it must be about self-alignment. And then I, when I read the book, I was like, oh, no, I need a totally different pin. And the one I'm wearing is a sea turtle. And there's a story behind that that is a wonderful story that talks to exactly that introduction, which is the story of the sea turtle. When it wants to move towards warmer waters, it gets in line with the Pacific Straits and the Gulf Stream. And once it's in that alignment, it shoots all the way down to the other side of the planet. And I thought that was a much more apt version of alignment. <laughs> uh, that's great. I just love it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the context I'd love to talk about is there's a story and something we share deeply in common, which is you do this beautifully in the book. You're history and your past and your discipline as a, an equestrian rider. So you've had this amazing experience and it's left a mental model that's very useful for the rest of your life. Maybe you'll tell us a bit about that and then we'll get into the book. Oh, yeah. So I spent uh, more than 10 years competing uh, as a competitor. And, and yes, I think it shaped me, everything, you know, and um, first the horses, because, you know, I was surrounded by horses and the empathy um, story came uh, come from here. I think uh, is coming from here, and um, 
I can remember my my dad was telling me when I was uh, when I was five that uh, he all, he was holding my hand and I let go and I went in the middle of the field with all the horses. He was terrified and uh, and in fact I was just in the middle of the horses and talking with the horses and connecting with the horses and everything was fine. They didn't hurt me and and he said that I was aligned with the horse. So the, so the competitive, the horses and everything, uh, all that moment shaped me. We were talking before we came on air and we were talking about executive coaching and you said you absolutely feel aligned that everything in your life has led you towards this as well. So you really, truly feel this in your soul. And I wanted to build on that because I'm dying to get into the book, but curiosity has got the better of me in this instance, because in the introduction, you mentioned that you were part of an amazing initiative. And that was where you're part of the what the author of your forward, Marshall Goldsmith, uh, created himself a prolific author, this idea of coaches going forward and making the planet a better place. I'd love you to share a little bit about this because this sounds so intriguing. Yeah, so Marshall, as you know, is a paper of uh, leadership. And uh, when he turned uh, 70, he decided to give back. He realized that he had great mentor, uh, Peter Drucker, Francis, as I ran, um, and uh, so that he would like to help people. So it's an amazing group of uh, thinkers, executive coaches, and all together, uh, we want to pay it forward to and uh, and also help leaders all over the world to become even better, even better leaders, and for myself, more aligned. It's such a beautiful way to actually help people because we were saying before we came on air, you help the leader, the leader creates an environment, people spend so much time in work anyway, if you mm. can make their life a better place you can do that mm. through this work. So it's a no, it's a noble role. Being a leader is a noble role. Being a manager is a noble role. Being an executive yeah. coach is an honor. Um, so so anyway, let's jump into the book because we could talk <laughs> all day about <laughs> this and we won't even go near the book. And in part one, you talk about meeting yourself. So this is about mm -hmm. self alignment. And mm -hmm. this is an essential starting point because you say, unless we are fully aware of who we truly are, we cannot find alignment. Why? Because we do not know what to align with. So let's get a first glimpse of typical symptoms of misalignment before we explore the journey of self-alignment. Perhaps you'll take us through this. Absolutely. So some symptoms are, you know, the, uh, for example, when you are blaming others, you know, you're always blaming others. It's his fault, her fault, you know, the, fault, the weather, the city, the government, whatever it is. So it's a big clue that you should maybe think about it. So because maybe there's something wrong in yourself or in your environment when you are always angry also, you know, uh, you wake up, you don't want to wake up. You're, you're like, you know, you, you don't know why you wake up. So you feel drained. So all that kind of things I had, for example, I had one of my clients. He was always complaining, always. And say, oh, you know, that happened. This one did that. At one point, I said, oh my gosh, um, I think you're. I have the feeling that you're always at war. Something, something is wrong. And he told me, no. And I said, yes, 
And um, and so we we begin to work on it because this is big big things, and uh, and you have to think about it. Let's build on that, Hortense, because I'd love to bring it back to that equestrian background that you have, because through that background, you say there are two types of equestrians, those who seek to impose their will onto the horse, muscling their way forward and pulling on the reins, and those who seek to work in harmony and alignment with their horse, cultivating mutual trust, ease and communication. Both can be successful. The first, however, is much more likely to hit a ceiling. Perhaps you'll tell us why. Absolutely, I love that. I love that that that, that, that because it's really the power against the force. And Doctor uh, Hawkins, in his book, you know, Force uh, Against Power, explained very well that. So, what is power? Power is everything because power it's a win-win situation it's uh it move everything because power so if you will go back to the rider is a rider who can connect with the horse listen to the horse and with the rain so you know that you communicate with the rain because you are on the horse you are you are too and the legs and and everything so you have to feel and to Adapt your communication <laughs> to the horse, the mood of the horse, to in order to to be able to do what you want to do, what the horse, uh, what you want the horse to do. You also can do and use force, and we know some German, um, very well-known, you know, rider who did that. But imagine you are with your rein and you you hold the rein, you know, you 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 you. And and so what happened? The mouth of your horse is hurt, and everything can and you know and the body can can be hurt, and there it's really you know force is really a win lose situation. So what's going to happen? It hurts, and at one point, the horse is going to say stop. So this is very this different, and it's exactly the same, you know, with, with leadership. If you do, if you use the force and say do that, and you know whatever it is, and you don't hear, you know, others, and you pass orders, and you don't know what's going on, they are going to do it because you're obliged to do it. You are paid to do it, but at one, they are not going to go further. In the other hand, if you you are this leader. Who can be, you know, empower people and has this power? You want to follow them because they can connect with you. It's all, all about empathy, also. But they can connect with you. They explain why, why, why you know uh, you should follow them, why you should do that. And I think this is exactly you know what a real leader has to do because we know that you know the leader role changes. So especially, you know, during the COVID, so the movement was 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 there, but now it's it's everywhere. So it's not you should do; it's you have to, and we know that, right? So how the leadership is moving from uh, this hero leader, so you know, know know everything, and uh, and you use your force to uh, the the human leader, who is you know this uh, who is using this power. 
I found that was really interesting because we saw it during the pandemic. We saw how many people just went, they had a moment to actually think for a change. And the pandemic gave them that time to just go to themselves and go, hey, wait a second. My boss has been pulling on my reins <laughs> for years and I haven't had enough. And that's what, you know, the great resignation, your book came out during that period of time. It's been so helpful for so many people to kind of go, wait a second. And also your role as a, an executive coach, I thought it was really interesting. Um, from the sporting background, one of the great gifts you have is discipline. The other one is you're willing to take feedback because feedback is makes you a better player or an equestrian rider, whatever it might be. And I often think about how either coaching or feedback is with, without it, it's kind of like trying to put on your makeup without a mirror. <laughs> so you're going to get you're going to get it wrong. But the coaching, right. you say, is like a mirror. And we all need that coaching, whether that's a team around us who are psychologically safe enough to give us feedback whether it's a partner who's ready to give you feedback or in your organization yourself, this part of the coach as a mirror is such an important aspect of the book. Absolutely. So we were talking about sports, just like you in rugby. Uh, we know that, you know, is uh, Federer having a coach? Yes. Uh, is, you know, the, um, take, take everyone, say, take, um, Take everyone, every every year a sportman. They all have, you know, bunch of coaches. So they are the their physical therapist, the psychologist, a coach, a chef very often, and and you name it. So why a leader doesn't have a coach? So I think we need it. We don't like sometimes, you know, to have feedback, you know, uh, back back to the time I was I was competing. Of course, when I felt I was not very, very, very um, happy. Uh, uh, so <laughs> I needed a little time, you know, to digest everything and to hear really what my coach has to tell me about it. Because, you know, it was my fault. It was not the fault, the, the fault of, the, of my horse. So obviously. So. So this is so important, the coaching, the feedback, and get the feedback. But it's very hard because, again, uh, a leader, uh, you know, thinks that maybe he should know everything. But he, he doesn't, as we saw during the, the pandemic, by the way. So, and it's really this, you know, this, this work and this, um, and, and the person that have a step back can effectively give you a real feedback. How did you look? What it look looks like, and and help you to grow and to be better. If not, you go to continue your pattern, and uh, and you know, and anyway, in life we evolve. So either you go up or you go down. So you choose, but you never stay like that, never. So this is yeah the, the importance of having a coach. I found it uh, really interesting. I'm sure you see this as well when. The chemistry session between you and your client is really important as a coach to actually make sure it's the right fit because it's not always the right fit. But what's all, also interesting is if the organization tells somebody they need a coach and they've given them a coach, that doesn't always work because sometimes it's not the person's choice. And often there's a pushback. I'd love you to share this because sometimes people go, 
why do I need a coach? Did I do something wrong? And you're kind of going, no. The fact that the organization's investing in a coach in you is a sign of trust and they want you to go further. And there's yeah. often that that conflict that happens. Absolutely. It's very, very often that I had that. And and first, you know, talking about people who are who you'd find a coach first. And uh, and this is so important what you tell me. Yeah, because as a coach, you cannot coach someone who doesn't want to be to be coached. That want, who doesn't want to work on himself or herself and, and be better and evolve. Even if he's already better, but we can we, we always can evolve. So the first thing is, yeah, to test uh, you know, if this person is uh, or not uh, ready to, to, move, to move forward. And if, uh, so this is the first step. And the second step is, yes, did I do something wrong? And this is stupid because as we said, it's exactly what you say. You know the the com- it costs, so it's a va- it's a value. So if the company wants you know to put it, you know to put money on you, it's because you have a big value that they're waiting for, for for something. And and this is so important. I had one time I had a, a one client like that, and she was here and telling me, yes, 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 I'm I, you know I'm very, I want yes, yes, I'm very motivated. I want you know to be coaches and uh, coaches and everything. In fact. Her CEO uh, you know, asked for coaching. She was absolutely not ready, but she didn't want to tell me, but I could feel it. So, so it was very interesting because I told her, and she was, you know, moving always, you know, the, the meeting, the appointment, no, I cannot, and uh, she was late. And so late. At, one point, at one point, you know, very, very fast, I told her, okay, you are not ready and it's okay. That's not a problem. So, I want. I would like you just to be honest, honest with yourself, honest with me, and honest uh, uh, vis-a-vis your company. So take a week, think about it, and come back with an answer. And uh, and already I was like I was very serious, and she said, "No, no, no." no. I said, "Yes, please." So now I'll leave and uh, come back if you want, but in, in another mindset. And she sent me a message two or three days later. And uh, she told me, I am ready. And I, will, and, uh, I told her, please explain why, you know, wh- what are you waiting for? And she explained. And believe it or not, everything changed from that moment. Everything. And we did an amazing work. She did. Oh, my gosh. You know, I'm so proud of her. And uh, because she had a behavior problem, but she couldn't face it. So all the work was, you know, about that. And it was um, just, you know, to illustrate the fact that if you're not ready, you, you know, as a coach, you talk, you talk, they hear, but they don't anchor. And it's, you know, it's this chemistry between you as a coach with, uh, with the person in front of you. You have to trust this person. You have to know that this person is going to help you. You have to know that the, the coach is not going to judge you. And we're not here to judge. We're just here to help and to try to see your, your blind spots and how we can help there, how you, we can unlock yourself, how we can realign you know, the person as a leader, as a person, because we are a wolf, right? We are only one. So as a, as a person as a leader, 
and as a leader in the company with others. So I love it. I love it. And and um, I, I think that that aspect of it's like bring it, let's bring it back to sport or even a child. If you try to force a child to do something they don't want to do, they won't do it. You need to wait for them to be ready to maybe do their homework or play a sport mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. You can't force them because that's what you want them to do. And I find it's very much the same with with the coaching. And and as you say, just wait till they're ready because eventually it will dawn on them. They'll go, oh, okay, I, I do need this, etc. But I wanted to bring it to, for those people listening to us who go, okay, how can I use this book to actually align myself? And I was telling you before we came on air, the origin of the word coach is stagecoach, which the whole idea is the stagecoach brings a passenger or goods from point A to point B. And that kind of raises the question that as a coach, then you can help somebody get to point B, but it's not you as the coach who chooses what point B is. Point B is their goal or more aptly actually to bring it to the book. It's their why to bring it back to what you said. I don't want to get up in the morning. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. That's because your why needs to be bigger than your try. And I'd love you to expand on this because the why is the starting point for everything. Mm. The why is, uh, yeah, gives it, it's a meaning. You know, it's a meaning of you, of your, of your life, of your work, and why. So you don't do things for the how or the what, but for the why, and we forget. So thinking about what is your why needs a time of reflection. And, and especially during the pandemic, uh, we really had to take that time to reflect and think about it. Okay, you know, what are my values? Why I'm here? What kind of leader I want to be? How I want to be remembered? I do very often, I give this exercise. Uh, it's a very hard exercise to write, try to write your um, eulogy. Try to think about each person, each part of your life, so personal and, and professional life, what you want them to tell when you you will not be there anymore? So it's a hard exercise, but you you will understand that you don't want them to remember you as the one who you know uh, increase that you know the the Wall Street uh, numbers uh, by uh, by by one hundred or whatever it is, but they're going to remind you because. You connected with someone because you helped someone because you were a good dad or a good mom or a good friend or uh, always there for others or never there for others or whatever it is. But it's a very good exercise. And you why also, if we don't know where to begin, you go back to the at the beginning when we were young and the dream. What was your dream? What did you dream to do? or to be, what, what was your role model, and why, why? And even if, you know, you wanted to be a doctor and today you are a leader, it's not a question of, you know, going back to school and, and being a doctor, but it's why. Why did you want to be a doctor? 
take care of people, I guess. Uh, okay. Do you all do you today as a leader take care of your people? Question mark. Yes or no? And if yes, could you do better? If no, could you do it? And how to do it? And and you you built your why. And this is how so you reconnect in fact with, with really yourself. Because if you, you don't remember why, again, you know, power and force, you are going to do things with force. So you can make it for sure, but with force. So, and you have all your environment is going to feel it. So you are responsible of yourself and you are responsible of others. So, and you don't want, you know, to uh, take all that, those people, you, you will, at one point anyway, you, you cannot. So you, you will stop it. So this is really this, this why your value, how you want to be remember this time of reflection that you really have to take. And again, especially during this time of uncertainty, because it's your true north. It's your home. Your why is your home. Your why is your, you know, when you travel, you always go back home, right? So where is home? Home is here. It's not far away. And we always forget that. We always forget to go back to ourselves and say, okay, you know, what can I feel? Where do I feel? Do I feel okay? Align? No. You know, I'm pissed. I'm angry. Oh, what's, what's happened? What, what is wrong there? And try to make it, you know, align again. And this is so important, that time of reflection. I think that's important. You said the way you said, try to align again, because you will go off track all the time consistently. There's a, a great quote by the Greek philosopher Heraclitus. It's 544 BC, he said, and bear in mind, the language at the time was very masculine. He said, no man ever walks in the same river twice because it's not the same river and he's not the same man. So the river represents the environment yep. uh, and you're constantly changing as the environment is constantly changing. And you recognize this in the book as well, because you share an exercise that French novelist Marcel Proust answered at age 13 and then again at age 20. And it has a huge relevance to alignment. I love this exercise. Perhaps you'll share this one with us. Absolutely. So I just love it also, because when you ask a question like that, who you want to be, what is important for you. You always try to refer to, uh, you know, the rational mind, to the left brain. And in fact, no, there is no right answer. The right answer is your answer. So we have to shut up this one and open, you know, the right one. And how you do that? By using metaphor, by using picture, whatever. And for example, I, um, I, I ask uh, what vehicle you want to be. And one of my clients said, I want to be a car. I said, okay, what kind of car? And he, to he told me, he pictured me a Bugatti. I said, okay. And he said, yes, but a tune, Bugatti. Okay, so why? Um, because I want, you know, I want it very special, because it's elegant, because I can 
take people in it because I can take my time and drive and things like that. Just telling that, you know a lot about this person. You know that this person likes you know, nice things, but the comfort, but you know, he wants to include people. He wants to be there for, for others and make the environment nice and take his time. So just, just by asking this question, and if I ask, you know, what kind of uh, water, piece of water you want to be, and um, one of them answered me, I want to be La Seine, you know, the river in Paris. I said, okay, why? And um, the why was because it's beautiful. I said, yeah, but it's dirty. Are you going to swim in the, in the Seine? And he said, oh, no, 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 I don't. I never swim anyway. So I'm just looking at it. And and you understand there that this person is going more about you know looking at the at the force um, you know it's it's not very you know very clear but but you know I, I would be there but I would not go in it so you understand that kind of thing so and you can continue like that with all all the question or all, all my question the color one one color or you know the tree. Uh, everything you know house uh, everything and i thought it was great the way you go okay so ask that at different times in your life though because it changes because the context change everything's situational it depends on the moment in time the environment the decisions everything there's all sliding door moments going on at any <laughs> one time and we need to be aware of that so let, let's move on to part two because part one of the book is about developing a clearer view of who we truly are, our values, our strengths, etc. And part two moves on to removing self-limitations, distractions, and other noise that drain our energy, our perspective, and our clarity. So you start this chapter, and you start this part of the book by talking about rewiring our brains and how that's possible. Perhaps you'll build on this. Absolutely. So our brain um, was made uh, for, for example, to begin with, an adult brain, I think, has something like uh, 100 billions of neurons, and uh, and each neuron is connecting around 1,000 to 10,000, I think, uh, connection contacts, you know, in our brain, and everything, not everything, but a lot of connection were made during uh, uh, when we were young and before, you know. So, you know, when, when you were not, you know, in, in still with your mom, you know, the, the scientists say that, you know, our brain was feeling and making co connection. So those connection, and, and you did this connection uh, in function of your environment. So for example, very simple example, you like water, why do you like water? Because maybe you saw your mother, you know, drinking water and she, she felt good. Or you don't like water because you saw uh, at one point someone who was sick with a glass of water because the water was not good. You know, very simple example. But, you know, our, our brain is like that, made a lot of connection. And we grew up like that because we needed that, our education and things like that. But at one point, it doesn't serve us anymore. And we are not aware of it because we are so used to, to be like that. 
and as you said before, we are in a journey, and the alignment is a journey also. So, so this is what I call self-limitation. This is when you think you cannot go further because you are not used, and you tell yourself, okay, I cannot. No, 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 I cannot do that. I cannot be that kind of leader. For example, when we're talking about human leader, you know, my clients say, very often say, you know, emotion doesn't belong to the arena, the corporate arena. Why do you want me to, you know, to be vulnerable? I say, because, you know, people need that. And because this is how you're going to get your, the, the power, you're, you're ready yourself, the best, you're going to be the best version of yourself because your, your leadership is evolved. Like another subject, but just to come back to you, this, the, you know, this, this part of rewiring your brain, your brain, it's, it's that it's okay. So doesn't serve me anymore. You know, for example, to think about, I cannot be uh, an emotional leader. Okay, this connection is there because you were you you were raised like that. The education, everyone told you that doesn't belong to the corporate arena. Okay, but now you think that you want to change, and that could help you. Yes, but you have to think why, because you think that it's the right way to to go now. Okay, and what could happen? That could happen that I could help others and be and empower people if I can connect with others. Okay. So we go over fears and I, I'm not giving you all the tricks. But anyway, at that one point, we decide, okay, we change direction. So it's really like, you know, it was connected and we're going to take another direction. And so like a new muscle, you have to work on it. Right, because it's not because we decide just now to, together that you're going to change that connection. That when you're going to leave me, you will forget. So, as you want, you know, to exercise, for example, your your arm because you had an accident. Every day, you reflect on it, and you check with yourself because I always say that I recommend. Uh, to uh, have your own uh, self-reflection every day and you one-on-one with yourself. So important. And you think about it and you write it as, did I do my best to be this human leader, for example? And like that your brain, remember, and oops, poof, and you put back uh, this neuron, uh, this, this connection. It's, it's, everything is about, you know, neuroplasticity. For years, we thought that, uh, Scientists thought that, you know, our brain was fixed at one point. And the brain is so beautiful. So it's a machine that we don't know. So, and, and no, no, it's all about neuro, neuro, neuroplasticity. So you can do it. And I can tell you that in, in my clients, I had clients young, 35, I think, was maybe my, my youngest one because it, from, you know, he was an entrepreneur. Uh, two, I think the oldest one was maybe 65, 67, maybe more. Never tell me exactly. Doesn't matter. But just to tell that you can make it. And this is all about rewiring 
your brain. And I found the example you gave in the book was beautiful where you talked about your horse. So your horse was fearful of water, for example. And what I thought there was actually oftentimes when a coach talks, they talk about actually the inner child. But you were actually talking about the inner foal here. It's the baby horse and how the baby horse came across and became fearful of water at some stage. So you had to actually revisit the source of the fear. So I, I'd love you to share that. But also, I just want our audience, because many of our audience work in innovation or change within large organizations. And we forget that everybody within the organization has a different temperature for fear. So they have fears that are different, but often most resistance is actually driven by these fears. So it's very difficult. And it's why 75% plus of digital transformation or tr any transformation efforts fail, because we fail to connect with the individuals behind the organization, because they all have individual fears, and they can resist very, very fast. And that fear, it's often driven by fear. 100% right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So it's all about fear. So I didn't talk about that, right? But yes, it's coming from fears. And um, for example, you know, this uh, person was uh, always angry. At one point, I asked her, I have the feeling that you are always at war. Is it right or wrong? And she said, right. And I said, why? Are we at war? And she said, no. Okay. Do Do you... Do you remember anything about it? And, you know, someone, you know, when we talk about that, does it bring any bells? And she told me, of course, my parents are immigrate, were immigrants from a country where uh, was at war. So during all the, you know, lunch and table at home you know my parents my grandparents everyone was you know was afraid i was telling be careful be careful outside be careful there people are not you know people are going to come and everything and he said okay so we know where it's coming from now and we walk on you know on this fear because it's fact it's a fear that's why you know the behavior be, be, be behind this behavior you have a fears and and these fears at, at that point was that someone wanted to do something bad. And uh, so we, we came back to the origin and, and we, we, we did this work to think about, does it help you today? And is it your story or the story of your parents? And we agree on that, that it was the story of, of, of her parents. And if she could let go, she would be free. And if she could be free, she could be happy because she was not happy. When you think that, you know, everyone, you know, wants to hurt you, you cannot be happy. So, yeah, so there is, there is always a story behind the story and behind the fear. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and now when we talk about, you know, this human, human leader also, same. Because sometimes, no, no, sometimes we, that's normal. We, we are human. Well, we have fears. This is okay. This is normal. And, you know, if we want to move from one point to another, so to this hero leader, to the human leader, uh, okay, but how we do that? Because you have these fears. You were successful before doing that. 
how can we change? And, you know, if I change, if I show my vulnerability, as we saw before, we, we talked before, or, you know, if, you know, if I ask others their stories, what's going to happen? How can I enter that? And uh, maybe I will not be successful anymore because I don't know how to do that. And so you have to work first because this is, yeah, this is the first door. This door, you have to work on that. What are you afraid of? And face your fears and work on it and try to make peace with that. And this is fine. And this is normal. This is okay. You are human. And that you can open the door and enter to the new room of being a human leader, for example, whatever you want to do to achieve. You know, this is always the same process. The fears, why the fears, where, where are, are they coming from? Looking at where does it belong to you? You know, you let go, you know, the freedom, blah, blah, blah. And you replace for what? Something else. And I loved what you said there about the fact that sometimes your fears aren't even your fears. You don't know where they come from. There's a brilliant study, Hortense, I don't know if you've heard it, where they took mice. And the reason they, they test with mice is because their life cycles are so fast. And they took one batch of mice and they put little they put little brain scanners on them, little fMRI scanners to scan their brains okay. to, to see fear factors. So see the amygdala part, the fear factor of the brain light up. And then mm -hmm. they released the smell of cherry blossom into the cages and they gave them a little shock. And they were trying to create an association between the smell of cherry blossom and mm -hmm. fear. Then that batch of mice had a new litter, so they had babies, and they just released, they put the scanners on and they just released the smell of cherry blossom in and they measured and they saw all their brains lit up with fear. And then they did it with the grandchildren. Again, ah. these children had never ever had an, a shock, but their amygdalas lit up because of the smell of fear. And in, and in, the, in a further human study, they showed that when somebody came from a part of the world in the past that had suffered some type of plague or pestilence, they were more xenophobic. So they were less about us. Uh, uh, they were more about us and less about them. So they had a very big fear of outsiders because that meant disease in the past. And this was all genetically coded into the brains mm. of people. Mm. And I mentioned that about the mice because I loved your story that uh, about your horse because your horse had this fear and you had to bring your horse yeah. back to the inner child in order to cure that fear. Mm, absolutely. I love the story uh, of the mouse, but this is so true. Yes, this is. So it doesn't matter, you know, if you don't, by the way, if you don't find why, you know, where it's coming from. doesn't matter. Uh, the things, very important things is ready to, uh, to let go and to realize that it doesn't serve you or not. And, and for the horse, yes, she was, she, she doesn't want to, 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 to jump river. She was afraid of water. She was, my gosh, she was, you know, stopping. I never knew where it's coming from. So, uh, but we took, we took our time and, uh, you know, I was with her and, uh, uh, walking with her where, you know, playing with the water and I took water in my, in my hands and I gave to her and we were playing around the water and everything. And, you know, at the at the end, you know, the fears disappear. We could be even able to go to the ocean and and have a bath uh, with a horse. So, but yeah, it took time, it took time. But <laughs> it's all a question of trust, also, right? It's uh, 
you know, she trusts me. I was, you know, um, aware and uh, be careful of how, you know, how she felt and just try to reassure her and, and, and do things like that. And this is what we were talking about before, you know, this power thing. This is empathy. Ah, so important, the empathy aspect of, of any kind of change that it's going to take time. You don't know what's going on in the side the head of the other. The reason I was laughing, by the way, there was I was picturing myself as an executive coach with somebody who's a fear of water, cupping water in my hand, going drink. <laughs> and, and people are like, what is that guy doing? So, so from one F word, which is fear to another F word, which is really important, which is the fear of failure. Uh, you talk a lot about this in the book as well, because this is actually such a blocker for so many people. They're fearful sure. to take a next step to evolve. Because what if I fail? And again, it's one of the great gifts that uh, sports gives us is that you're going to fail all the time. <laughs> so you got to try, you got to try, you know, that um, as a driver, as a rider, sorry, um, we uh, once say that you have to fall 100 times before being a good rider. My grandfather, my father, my coaches, each time I was falling, would say, okay, good, one more. So now go back to your horse. Okay. So the thing is you have to go back, you know, instantly to your <laughs> horse to, to not, not create fear, by the way. Talking about fears, it's, it's a reason why. So you fail, hop, and you go. Uh, you fail, you learn, you go. And this is exactly, you know, and, and Thomas Edison say that also. He said, I didn't fail. I tried 1,000, I think, different ways. That's all. And, and that's true because failure, we learn from failure. And failure is because we try something. So we have to try to innovate, to evolve, to, you know, to, 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 we have to try. So when we try, sometimes we fail. Okay, this is okay. This is perfect. Okay, you fell. Why? Yeah, and you 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 take this time, you know, just to analyze and to say, okay, so I'm going to do that differently now, and this is how you evolve. So this this fear of fail. Can you imagine when you are absolutely locked in that? You don't do anything. Anything, anything new, you don't. So you are keeping the same every day and doing the same every day because you're afraid of fear. I, I was thinking about that actually is because there's another side then for the leader. So the leader may have fear of failure herself, but also then it's how she reacts to her team when they make mistakes. Like if you think about a parent, the child makes a mistake. It's your reaction to that mistake that's important. So if they make the same mistake over and over and over, that's slightly different, but not all mistakes are equal. So when they're learning something new, which is very common in today's world of change, they make a mistake and your reaction as a leader or a parent has a dramatic effect on whether the person's going to try again. And I see this sometimes with my coaches that sometimes they're, they're fearful of trying things because they're like, going, well, last time my boss threw her toys out of the pram and she went crazy. She went mad with me. And I'm going to go, well, <laughs> maybe she needs a coach <laughs> as well. Because absolutely, it's that reaction, isn't it? That's so important. Because as a leader, you have, it's your responsibility to make a safe environment where people can uh, allow to fail. And 
that's true, as you say, that first you have as a leader to work on that and to work on the fact that it's okay to fail for yourself and it's okay, you know, to make others fail. Uh, and to bear, not make what I mean and to, to have people who can fail and because it's okay and it's good so it's all about this yeah, safety environment uh, to do um, to do that and, and before we were talking about this ability um, how you, you, you put you know, all the stories all together and this is really a cascade in fact because really you begin by you Talking about fears, fail. What do you allow you uh, to do? And uh, that's that's why it's so important to be aligned and take this first part of my book <laughs> to take this time, you know, to to be sure of what you want. Um, and and after you know, God in in spiral, spiral. You said that you go. Um, it sounds great. Yeah. Spirals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but I, I, you said it nicer, though. It's nicer. <laughs> It helps. It helps. You know. You know. Thank you for my my hands. Um, yeah. And and uh, yeah. And you have to be clear on 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 failure. This is so important. So next, you tell us we need to ultimately value our intuition. And you pose the following questions that are really useful to ask ourselves. You say, "How do you know that you're making the right decision?" What is that little voice inside your head telling you what to do or not to do? And how important is that voice in your journey towards better alignment? These are really important questions because oftentimes we don't have all the facts and figures available in order to take the leap and make the decision. And intuition plays a huge part for us. And especially uh, during uh, the pandemic and now. So we're living in a new world. Everything changes, changes fast, and and it's complicated. We don't have uh, we don't have the the methods, so we don't know how to do that. We don't have the playbook. So how you do that? It's so we go back to this brain, our genius, our gift, and uh, left and right. Left is based on what we know uh, and everything rational, the education, what we did. The right one uh, is the one who is going to make you innovate and know what you don't know is faster than the other one. And also to connect is the one who is going to help you to connect with people. And this is the one, this one with this one that we have to learn to work with. So intuition intuition is really that. And Einstein said that the left one, so the left brain, the rational brain, uh, is is a very faithful servant. And the right brain, it's a sacred gift. And we forgot the gift. So already we need both. I don't say that we don't need one and no, but we need to increase, you know, uh, this uh, the the use. We need to learn how to use, in fact, our right brain, and intuition is coming from there. Intuition is that it's exactly that moment when you enter in a room or you meet someone and you 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 have this little voice to say, 
something is wrong. I don't feel well. Just listen to it. It's your intuition. It's when you, you're looking for an answer, you know all the data, everything. You, you did your, your homework. This is not about that. So, and, and to come back to the leader, the leader today has to be this human leader with a vision. We need a captain and the captain needs a vision. And how you make this vision? Let your imagination, let your, your, your intuition, what your intuition is telling you now that you have the data. You know, it's going, the intuition is going to give you the last word. I loved uh, the story you told us about Bill. And I'm going to share this because oftentimes, and I, I met actually an executive for breakfast this morning, and he was asking me just what I thought of the work I'd done with his organization. And I said, the biggest challenge is time, because your guys are so busy that you don't have time to actually think. And when you're so busy and you don't have time to think, you cannot be innovative. You don't have any mental capacity to do so. And you talk about this, the importance of claiming mind space. And in the book, you explore the importance of intuition, but then you go into reclaiming some mind space, which is an absolutely essential part of life to actually survive the rate of change that we're going through. And I'll start you off here with a quote about Bill. You said Bill never stopped. The CEO of a financial services company, he went from meeting to meeting, from plane to plane. His schedule was always full. His head was full. Mind racing, he came up with idea after idea, never stopping to consider which might be worth pursuing and dropping initiatives as quickly as he started them. Always rushing, he acted before he considered what was the most important uh, or when action was needed at all. Convinced that he knew what his collaborators meant to say before they even finished their sentences, he kept interrupting everyone to speed things up. Yeah, get on with it, get on with it. Amid all that inner noise and agitation, he had lost touch with himself and with his intuition. And this is so important. We very rarely, in the bid to execute all the time, very rarely take a step back and kind of go, wait a second, am I doing the right things in my organization and in my life? And have I got my priorities straight? This claiming mind space that you talk about is so essential. This is everything. So we were talking before about it, but this time of reflection, this time, you know, you have to find the right reason. And rushing is not the right one. We know that we have those things to do. We know that, uh, of course, we have, uh, we're working with people who are always, you know, in a hurry because they have to do a lot of things. But if you don't take that time, that's, if you don't take this ritual of checking how aligned you are, often in the, in the, in the day, in a day, chances are that you are going to go the wrong way at one point. Or you are going to go so fast that you're not going, you're going to miss something, miss someone or something like that. And so this time of reflection that is so important. So in the morning, when you leave, when, before leaving home, when you, you wake up, to go back to your, your, your self, uh, self-reflection, what you decided, your alignment, what, what are your priorities? Uh, are you good at that? And at the end of the day, 
go back to that, you know, that list of priorities, values, and, and see and revisit your day and say, did I do my best today to, you know, to align that with, with my values? Oh, no. Okay. So this is okay. Don't blame yourself. You, again, you're human. And you go, you know, for the other day with your brain thinking about it. And you're going to be better and better at what you decide before. You know, that's why, you know, we're talking about before. But that's why it's so important to know with what you want to align yourself right? Your priorities, who you are. And also, this is the only way to uh, be aware of a mistake that you could do, listen to your intuition. Or you need to connect with others as a leader. So if you're talking or not listening with someone, with your team or whatever, and you continue, so you don't, you don't, you know, stop and make a time for them to express themselves or you to understand and to see, oh, this person looks very tired this morning, what's happened? And take the time to connect because you're going to miss something. And you cannot, yeah, and the case of Bill, it was exactly that. Uh, And uh, it was exactly... Yeah, he was doing a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. At one point, he was exhausted and he told me, I don't understand why. You know, I explain. I said, you should do that. And it's never done. Hmm, guess what? Because people didn't want to connect. He didn't keep connect with people, with his team. He, just, he was just passing order. He was there, open the door, don't close the door, and, and he go back. Yeah, so as a normal person, what, what, how do you react to that? You just say, uh, okay, bye-bye. You open the door and you say, okay, easy, bye-bye. Okay, you close the door. So you can connect with another, with others. So, but he was not aware of that. He, he, he was very courageous. He was walking like crazy. But, and, and he had vision, but he, he never stopped to connect. So he, when he was aware of that, we work on that. Connect with others. And especially now, you know, with this time of being a, this human leader is so important. So we need you as a human. So if you run everywhere, you are not going to have time to see, you know, the, the little boy, you know, sitting here and looking at you. Again, bringing that back, Bill was almost like the horse, drag, pulling on the horse, pulling on the reins, forcing yeah. people, using authority rather than actually inspiring them, as you said earlier on. And, uh, you know, my own practice, I I love this. I'll share it with you because it's a a French term. I call them a mental amuse-bouche. So an (laughs) amuse-bouche mental where you actually just clear your palate. So rather than going from meeting to meeting, you'll Mm -hmm. go, you'll do your meeting. I'll do stuff like listen to some music or I'll take, I'll do a a puzzle, a a mental puzzle, read something in a Mm -hmm. book, you know, just a few paragraphs, not much, Mm -hmm. but just to Mm -hmm. go. Ah, just breathe and take a moment and give my brain a break because that's actually a skill. Like we learned that in sport. You don't just keep training the same muscle every day. The muscle will eventually tear. You got to give it a break. And it's during the break that it actually grows and it gets stronger, etc. But I wanted to bring it to a a really important aspect that you talk about, which is, okay, self-alignment, 
And then we need to align ourselves with our environment because I once worked in a legacy organization, Hortense, and I remember when I walked in, I could feel, I could feel a void that was like this emptiness and it was full of people. <laughs> and I was like, ah. what's wrong? And I was like, I was, I was wondering, is the ceiling too high? What was wrong? I was like, oh, maybe if to bring the ceiling down and make it a bit tighter, the energy be, you could feel it. And I went on to realize I didn't last very long there, but I realized actually it was the lack of psychological safety. There was fear in the air. People were tense. They didn't really like their jobs and everybody lived in this state the whole time. And I didn't do the work that I'm now aware of from, from your book and from many others that I've read since to look out for certain signs before I even joined that organization to ask the right questions. And this is such an important par part of your work is aligning yourself with your environment and the people mm. who work in that environment. I just love your example and asking the right question and asking yourself also why. If you're a driver, the last example that I had is if your driver is oh, I'm going to take this job because this job is going to give me more money, I will win more money, I will be more powerful uh, or things like that or you know, the company is biggest, whatever it is. It's not the right driver. Your why is your driver, don't remember. So chances are that you're going to make a mistake at one point because you, you're going to be in force. It's not the right driver. You don't, you know, Money, win more money is we need money. I don't I don't say that money is not important, but this is not the right driver. The right driver is that you have to go back to your your values and how you want to remember and to see if you know the next step or where you're going is serving your values, your vision, and and the the leader you are to be. It's very different. Is absolutely very different, and your int intuition is going to tell you or feel, oh, it's not, it's not good. And this this moment of reflection that we we're talking before, it's 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 very simple, like like you say, it's being at the right at the moment present. It's being here, not behind, not before, but here. But it's very difficult because our mind, our mentor, just love talking. Blah, blah, blah. You didn't do that. Oh, you did that right. Oh, no, you didn't, you didn't do that. No, this is not good. Oh, next time. Yeah. Stop it. Just stop it. It's, you know, meditation is about being at the, at the, at the present moment. It's a name, but it, it's all about being at the present moment and how you do that. Yeah, as you said, listen to music, listen to the word, to the music. Don't let your mental go, by the way, because if you listen to music and your mental go, no, this is, the tricks is ready to be at the present moment. Be aware of your breathe, how you breathe. Be aware of your body, you know, or things like that. Be here, be grounded, be at the present moment. And it's going to help you to stay aligned, so to stretch, to keep your true north where you decide to go, right? And, um, and uh, yeah, so it's very important. I'd love to move on to part three, because in part three, you discuss how we can leverage 
the personal alignment that we've already aligned with. So we've we've discovered and explored our personal alignment to move on to be a leader and foster a collective alignment and thereby boosting our effectiveness as a leader in an organization, for example. And you tell us here, aligned leadership comes not only from the congruence of who you are with what you feel and what you think, but also with what you say and what you do in your relationship with others. And you advise us here that a good journey, a positive journey starts with communication. And this communication, I see this all the time with leaders, they think they've communicated because maybe they've said it once or twice, but they need to say the message over and over and over and over. And you say good communication involves sharing a clear and inspiring sense of purpose and direction, formulating a strategy on how to get there and clarifying everyone's role and contribution. It is through these three elements that you're likely to get the best out of your team and be an even more effective and inspiring leader. So this goes from figure out your own why to go, mm -hmm. let's start articulating the collective why. It's going from your driver, your why, your, your values, who you are. So, your, and so the story that you're going to, to have, your own story and your driver, to how you move that um, to the leader. So how you communicate this vision and how you empower and include everyone. So this is what I call the alignment of alignments with the S because it's all the story. It's your story and you know all the stories. So how you connect all the stories, your right, your driver. So how as a leader you you can make you know exactly the same. So this this same journey of alignment. To, to your team. They have to do the same and you have to to take this time to make you know this this time uh, to connect and for that you have to know people, take time to, to know really them, who they are, who they like, what drives them. And um, and as a leader, uh, when you explain your vision, explain your why. It's not just explaining because people cannot guess if you don't explain. So don't suppose that people are going to understand. No. When you want something, you explain something, you explain your why, where it's coming from. Why is it important for you? And where and how and where are we going to go all together? And how you as a person, you are included in this story. So if if you want to include that person, for example, this example of um this uh, this 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 man who this manager who each time you know he was recruiting someone he was asking him what is your story and what is your dream and how can we help you to achieve your dream and and you know like that he knows he knows that this person his dream is to have a bigger house I don't know because you know he has a lot of kids and how you know you can make a plan to make him you know win more money and involve in the company and so each time he's going to come to work it's the person going to come to work for as making you know a step to his her dream and not you know for only for the company it's not the same it's really you know that part make a family make you know where you are here we saw that a lot by the way during um, covid 
when we saw the frontliner so so devoted to people so here for people you know listen listen be here you know when when they serve others and um this connection with people was 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 unbelievable so this is and this is so important this is this is not easy to do but this is important to take the time to do it and this is a journey we are on today i think and uh, this is why the leadership change and uh, when you begin when you you are a leader you have to understand like it's like you uh, i'm sure and you would be you move from player to coach you are sitting in in the bench or on the bench um, and um, so you're here you're sitting but don't try to take the ball uh, you are here not to play not to be on the field but to look at others and to see if all your your your, your guys are are okay and uh, playing okay and are physically okay this is your job and how we can help them if one of them, you know, is coming one morning and, you know, with a bad figure, you know, face and something happened, you're going to ask him, what's happened? You know, what's wrong? Okay. So can, what can I do for you? Okay. Maybe you cannot do anything because it's not about fixing. It's another subject. But yeah, it's because they are afraid. The leaders are afraid sometimes to ask this question. If something bad happened, what should I do? Nothing. Just listen and make the space that people can express themselves. And um, and uh, and so yeah. So and and this is how you're going to make this alignment of alignment. So this connection of stories to make a, a big movie. Yeah, I love it. I love it, and I love that you brought up that whole idea of. So you were a player. You were a great player. Now you're a coach. You can't play anymore. And you can't scream at the players anymore. You've got to prepare them. And then you become, like you say in the book, a facilitator or an orchestrator. You're like the chef d'orchestre on the sideline. You can't make people do things, but you can guide them. And I think that's a, a beautiful way, like you do finish the book with this. You go, it, it's the art of letting go. You can't grab those reins as an equestrian rider too tightly. And you share the following quote that I'll quote. A good equestrian knows that she has aligned with her horse and prepared for the jump. She must let go. She has surveyed the obstacle course, communicated and listened effectively, established trust and found the right cadence to position herself at the optimum position to jump. Now what? Here, the rider's only job is to let the horse take off. The equestrian trusts herself and her horse, and she is confident that both are ready to play their parts. She knows her role is to focus on adjusting her balance and body position in order to facilitate rather than hinder her men's performance. Her role is also to look ahead and, and anticipate the next obstacle. I loved that because that absolutely encapsulates what a leader of today's world of this constant change needs to be a facilitator. This is really the definition of alignment for me. It's all the job, you know, that you're doing, you know, before and after this ability to let go and let, let everyone jump and doing the right, you know, the perfect jump and you feel there and you're here. 
and you fly and everything is possible and, and and this is great and this is wow this is you are you are in a zone and this is this alignment and 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 yeah and as a leader so important to make each one have his her own alignment and be aligned with that I have a final quote that I wanted to share. It's a quote not by you. It's not from your book. It's a quote that I hope you haven't heard because I was trying to find a gift to to pass back to you that I'm going to finish with. And I wanted to first ask you, where can people find out more about you, your book, your work, etc.? Where can they find you, Hortense? You can find me on LinkedIn and I have a website, hlgconsulting.com dot org. I'll share that. I'll put that in the, the show notes. And I wanted to ask, perhaps I'm going to give this final quote, and then I'm going to, to hand over to you to close today's show with your final message to our audience. And I just wanted to thank as well, Hubert Jolie, who introduced us and who actually exemplified many of the things you talk about in this book about alignment and being driven by purpose. So I wanted to thank him publicly as well for his great introduction to you and sharing your work as well. So merci, Hubert. My final quote, Hortense, is a quote that I I love and I haven't heard it quoted very often. And it's by the brilliant Albert Einstein. He said, when you examine the lives of the most influential people who have ever walked among us, you discover one thread that winds through them all. They have been aligned first with their spiritual nature and only then with their physical selves. I love that quote. I think that quote is so profound and meaningful and aligned to your book, to the alignment of alignment that you hope that we all achieve. And uh, I wanted to thank you immensely for your time today. And perhaps you'll close today's show with your final message to our audience. And before before we do actually just want to remind our audience, I have a copy up for grabs of this brilliant book aligned, connecting your true self with the leader you're meant to be by Hortense Legenti. Just sign up to the innovation show.io newsletter, and you'll be in the chance to win that book over to you Hortense. Thank you. Thank you, Aidan, for um, giving me this chance to talk about alignment. I'm delighted to be there. And I just I would like to say to everyone, stay aligned. Don't be afraid to be yourself. Because anyway, everything, everybody else is already taken. I think Oscar Wilde said that. But this is so true. So being yourself, you know, and, and work on, on this, on, the, on, on this leadership, how you want to be remembered, I think it's, it's a driver. Author of Aligned, connecting your true self with the leader you're meant to be, Hortense Le Gentil. Merci beaucoup. Merci, Aiden. And I just want to thank our sponsor, Zai. Zai is a global fintech that's innovating within its field of expertise, building integrated financial services for digital native and non-native businesses. You can check them out at hellozai.com.